Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the show. Um, your parents watch this with Kim Beatty and Brad Semituk. I'm Kim Beatty. And I'm Brad Semituk. And we're here to tell you why the movies your parents watched uh, made them like that. We're brought to you by Comedy Here Often, as always. Yep, Check them big out. Dogs. Shout out to them. Big dogs of the Canadian podcast uh, scene. Check out all their podcasts, but mostly ours. Um, okay. Yeah, what movie did we do this week? <laughs> this week we watched uh, the the uh, patriarchal classic Taxi Driver. Are you saying pa- patriarch like patriarchy or patriot? Patriarchy, like it's a classic of the patriarchy. Do you think it's a classic of the patriarchy? That's how I felt. Okay, well we'll get into this because I actually think it was more about how I misheard you and patri- patriot tarky. Patriotarchy. That yes, that's good. That could apply too, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Cool, because I mean, that was how I felt about this movie. Like the reason I wanted to watch this movie this week is because I genuinely think that every single person who stormed the U.S. Capitol building uh, watched this movie and internalized every single lesson that it tried to teach. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why so. I think it supports the uh, patriotarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're back to uh, being topical, baby. Yeah, we never stopped being topical. These last three weeks have been a barrage of uh, topicality. Um, the most topical 1980s themed podcast on the market. Yeah, <laughs> 1976, <laughs> even more topical. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, do a little quick little synopsis for uh, any uh, fools who haven't seen this movie. Uh, It's about a mentally unstable veteran who works as a nighttime taxi driver in New York City where the perceived decadence and sleaze fuels his urge for violent action by attempting to liberate a presidential campaign worker and an underage prostitute without anybody actually asking or really wanting him to. Yeah, well, actually, well, a lot of people actively ask him to not do that. Yeah, no, yeah, a ton of people actually, uh, they say the opposite. They're <laughs> they very say, clear, Travis, don't, they say. <laughs> even the women he's trying to save at multiple points are like, hey, Travis, I would not like to be saved. <laughs> Stop, and he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, no, this is the patriotarchy. <laughs> this is the patriotarchy. I'm a patriot and I'm a man. Listen to me. Um, yeah, the... the this movie's insane. Like the first time I watched this movie, I thought it was fucking stupid. And I, w- w- I wanted to watch it again on the podcast, like with the intention of ragging on it, because like, I think that everybody who's recommended to this movie to me didn't get it. Like, I think <laughs> that everybody who's recommended this movie to me and said it was cool, they all were like the dudes who would identify with Travis Bickle. Like this movie, uh, yeah. anybody who likes this movie is like, it, it's, that you know the type of guys who are just like way too into the joker yeah 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 (laughs) like that type of guy this movie's got a very distinct joker energy to it the joker of the 70s for sure absolutely travis bickle was the joker of the 70s but like who has recommended this movie to you though because this was the first time i had ever seen this movie and like it was just so much nonsense like i just i didn't understand any of his decisions and i felt like uh, they were all wrong yeah i think that's the absolute point of this movie because like i think that this movie is such a good parallel to um the current rise of like uh, alt-right politics and stuff it's about like 
a guy who has, you know, he's got no friends. His family isn't in New York. He's like living by himself. He's completely isolated and he doesn't feel good. He's angry and he keeps like, I guess the start of the movie, he's not really lashing out towards people, but he, he like keeps trying to, I guess, make friends and like have some sort of, uh, I guess, network of people that he could rely on. Like the movie opens up with him uh, trying to get a job at a taxi place, not because he wants to be a taxi driver, but because he's a fucking insomniac. He, he can't yeah. sleep. He can't do anything. So like he figures like, oh, I may as well, you know, make some money or whatever. And like the rest of the first part of the movie is like him trying to uh, connect with people. Like you remember the scene where he goes to the adult movie theater not because yeah, he yeah. wants to watch a porn in a movie theater with a bunch of dudes, but because he just needs something to do with himself. And he's like trying to make small talk with the uh, clerk there. And she just thinks that he's fucked for trying to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's, like... he's not like, I, that. that's a weird thing to do. I think make, you know, small talk conversation with a lady at a porn theater or porn shop, whatever, but like, he's not yeah. doing it maliciously, you know, like he's doing yeah, it I mean, because he's... he would really like somebody to talk to him. He's just a weird dude, but that's the thing about like, that's the thing about now is like you when you're a weird dude, like that's the crime. But but it leads up to that, and I think that the problem isn't necessarily him being a weird dude. I think that uh, his problem is how how isolated he is. Like he's got yeah. nobody to actually you know talk about his feelings and shit to. And so <laughs> yeah, all he, he does is drunk drive, take pills, and go to porn theaters. Exactly. And then he just blames everything. You know, people keep rejecting him, thinking that he's fucked because he's acting fucked. But, like, he's got nobody in his life to tell him that. So he just keeps pushing people away and saying that everything's fucked. But when people ask him why things are fucked, like, he can't actually, you know, give you a real reason why. He's just like, the streets are dirty and somebody needs to clean them up. <laughs> yeah he's just like me to be honest he's five sentences away from scapegoating jews it's like <laughs> he's good he's furious and he's fucked but he doesn't know why or what to do it's yeah. um i thought all this time yeah i don't know i kind of thought this was like a, he was like a guy who got tricked into thinking the american dream is still real you know because he like moves to the biggest city with all the glitz and the glamour and tries to like live a life Life of decadence by going to porn theaters and drinking all the time but really it's just like terribly sad <laughs> like yeah. really it's really he just like falls asleep in piles of garbage on the street and stuff i mean he doesn't actually do that he's got a house and whatnot but yeah i mean like he's not doing well you know it's a yeah. guy he's got like no outlet for anything he's just unhappy and he doesn't know why he's got no aspirations he can't do anything it's like how fucking familiar does this setup sound this is these yeah, are the people still... who go on fucking b-board on 4chan and call everybody slurs because like they have nobody else that wants to hang out with them yeah like I it's weird though because he has no friends but like he still for the whole movie acts like he's above everybody else like there's a scene where uh in the early part where he's with the rest of the taxi fleet and he's talking about like uh, I could pick up a junkie or I could pick up a lawyer. It don't make no difference to me. And that's just like him bragging about being the coolest guy in the taxi fleet. And like, that's the same as bragging about being the biggest dicked guy on the water polo team. It's like, that's not going to win you any friends, dude. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, I don't really know what that was. I didn't get the sense that it was so much of him bragging as much as it was, he was saying that he wasn't a racist. 
mm. and all that. Like, oh, I just I just felt like he thought he was like super sick throughout this whole movie. Well, I think yeah, I think that he definitely does have an air of superiority about him. Um, and, and yeah, it was uh, like, yes, it like was. Here's an air. Here's a superiority thing. Like right after he applies for the job at the taxi service. They're like, okay, bring these forms back tomorrow. And then he leaves the building and starts drinking in the street right in front of the building. Like, he doesn't even walk away from the windows. It's the 70s. They were probably also <laughs> drinking in the building. I don't know, man. <laughs> Why was he using that brown paper bag then? Uh, you know, street rules. It's New York City, baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I drink out of a brown paper bag just because I like the ambiance. I want to. I want to get another bartending job, and all my signature cocktails are like served in brown paper bags. <laughs> That's so funny. This is the key special. A... It's a Colt forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know this is a cocktail bar. <laughs> it's a Colt forty-five. Now, give me seven minutes. There's a liquor store across the street. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's he does have that air of superiority, but I don't think that. It's like him trying to flex on other taxi drivers. I think partly it's just be, like him being kind of frustrated with the state of the world. You know, like he doesn't like that uh, some people, he uses a slur, like an old timey uh, black guy slur that I don't want to repeat, but he was yeah. mentioning how like none of the other drivers want to pick up uh, black guys. And that's like a problem, a common problem uh, in uh, with taxi drivers like still today. And also in fucking restaurants and shit with waiters, like, uh, when I worked at Red Robin, people didn't want to serve uh, minorities generally because they were worried that they would tip less. Um, really? It's like, oh, big time, bro. Um, at Red Robin. Absolutely. That's crazy to me. I didn't even like, uh, I was oblivious to that. I didn't well, know that happened at Red Robin. Oh, big time. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it like sometimes people would like get a table and then they would be furious that was like, why the fuck did you seat me with them? They're not going to tip. It's like, you don't know that they're not going to tip. Uh, you know who uh, can't afford to tip is people who eat at burger restaurants. Yeah, generally. If a place <laughs> offers infinite french fries, they don't have a ton of money to be throwing around. Yeah, if something is bottomless, don't expect a tip. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I did every time and I was consistently let down. But you're right. You know, like if you're working at a restaurant for poor people, expect poor people to show up. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And yeah, I don't know. I remember I would be in the back just like actively working on cooking it so bad that people would uh, not tip the servers. Yes. Yeah, it was uh, very tough <laughs> to uh, work around Brad's incompetence, but goddamn, I got it done. Like that, but I'm saying I don't think it was just the customer not wanting to tip you. Like, I think it was also the fact that everyone who worked there was terrible at their job. I think it was a mix of everything. <laughs> I think it was about, you know, 33% of uh, the customer being poor, me being a terrible waiter and you being a shitty cook. I think it's, you know, a mix of all three of those. <laughs> it's a beautiful pie chart to me. Yeah, it's, you know, just a recipe for the, your worst fucking restaurant experience you've ever had. <laughs> yeah, but that's true, I guess. You make a good point about uh, Travis's attitude. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't have too much uh, of the prejudice. He just kind of thinks he's above everything. He thinks he's above everything. And I don't think he's necessarily wrong. Like the shit that he's mad about at the start of the movie is shit that you should be mad about. Like that's yeah, that's kind of the character of Travis is me agreeing with him, but not how he got to that point. You know? Yeah. It's like it's like like those people who stormed and tried to overthrow <laughs> the Capitol building. Do I think the government should be overthrown? 
10,000%, absolutely. But I mean, like we should go about it completely differently. Yeah, but those guys weren't trying to overthrow the government. They were trying to like throw the government really high up in the air so that it would be impossible for anyone else to overthrow it. What a funny attack that was. They had no fucking idea that was going to happen or like what to do or anything. I love that they had like, if this was any other country doing a revolution, they would have gotten in there. They would have seized their, you know, the fucking Capitol building and they would have started, you know, going through their list of demands on, uh, you know, TikTok live or whatever the fuck. We didn't have any demand. They just went in there and were like, okay, now what? (laughs) Let's go see Nancy's office, I guess. Let's check that out. But they weren't even doing a revolution like they were they called it that. But imagine doing a revolution just to put the government back into power. You're right. I, I mean, I mean, every revolution has been to put a different government into power. But yeah, you're right. That was just like, a, if anything, that was just a revolution that strengthened the current government. <laughs> it's like, look at how fucking stupid these guys are. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I feel about this movie, too, because everything he does in this whole movie just makes, like, everyone who he's mad at stronger and sound smarter. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, Let's, uh, yeah, I want to talk more about his, uh, like, him having no friends and his lack of connection, because, like, he does kind of have that squad of taxi guys to talk to, but, like, they're fucking weird ass taxi deck guys like the first scene there <laughs> that we meet them it's just like a guy with, who's bald with shoulder length hair you know all around the sides of his head a very famous look and uh he's just like telling made-up fuck stories and everyone's like surrounded and listening and uh, yeah. it's like how do you relate to those people and later on when he tries to talk to them and he's like hey you guys i'm not doing great they just like complete it goes over their head completely <laughs> it's like they, they can't relate to him because he doesn't have any fucking friends or anybody to talk to um yeah that's just like a very accurate portrayal of what it's like to be at work though like you go to any job and someone's going to tell you a made-up fuck story and not going to want to hear about how depressed you are oh f- for sure but i mean like it's also i i'm also just using that as a way to s- say like he's got no fucking social safety net or not social safety net but like he's got no friends no fucking yeah, um, yeah. social group to talk to even the people like his co-workers he can't relate with everyone's yeah fucked. um and then he thinks that he can't you know i i, I really liked the subplot with um um the romance thing like with him uh because he like sees some girl who he thinks is beautiful so he starts like vaguely stalking her and like shows up at her work to um ask her on a date and she like works with <laughs> um you know a politician uh trying to get him elected and so he's just like, yeah, no, I am also trying to get that man elected. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which exactly. I, I really love. It's like, what man hasn't uh, taken a, a, a political stance based on what girl he likes, you know? I always <laughs> just believe whatever the girl I have a crush on believes. Amen, brother. Um, <laughs> and then he, so he takes her on a date and he takes her to a porn theater. And it's like, not because you know, that's what he likes to do. It's just, he doesn't n- know about regular movies. He's not trying to be a fucking creepy guy. He's genuinely trying to reach out to this person as best yeah. as he knows how to do. And uh, she shits on him for it. And I'm not saying that like he didn't deserve to be shit on. He took a lady to a porn theater. That's fucking weird. But like, if you well, know where he's coming from, you know that it wasn't malicious or fucked up. 
I'd like to disagree with you on that because I think that uh, he deserved to be bullied for that, but not for just doing it because he brings her to the porn theater and then she's like, this is a porn theater. And then he starts trying to like trick her into thinking it's normal because he's like, no, this is a movie that tons of new couples have been going to watch. Well, I think it's just because he has no concept of what other movies are like. This is all he goes to see. At the beginning of the movie, he goes to a porn theater by himself, and he's not even, like, sitting there and, you know, jacking off. It's like they, they show his face, and he's, like, sitting back on the chair and, like, examining it, like, trying to watch it for the plot. <laughs> yeah, but... I think he just that, doesn't know what movies exactly, are. But that's exactly how he should know that plenty of couples are not going to the porn theater on dates. <laughs> the fact that he spends so much time in porn theaters is how he should be able to tell. Fair enough. Maybe he's reading it. Maybe he's like, you know, he's so socially unaware that he, you know, sees a uh, a guy there with a, you know, an underage prostitute who we'll get to later in the movie, and he assumes they're a couple um, or something. You know, like yeah, I forgot about that. I think he's just, you know, I think he just doesn't get it, and because he has nobody to talk to, he keeps not getting it. It's like when you were a kid, did you ever have like just a misunderstanding about how something worked? And then, you know, nobody mentions it to you or says anything and you just like live your life thinking something wrong. Like, yeah, like most of the stuff, I think, like when I first moved out, I ate soup for two months, only soup. Because exactly. I thought I was like, oh, this is cheap and I'm sure it's fine for me because there's no candy in it. And then my roommate had to be like, hey, man, your face is getting swollen. You should eat something else. Exactly. It's like that. It's like your Tide Pods in the dishwasher thing. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like me. I, I I thought the word several just it was a different way of saying three, and I was like failing. But I was get, like getting questions wrong on like exams and shit in high school and university. And then at a certain point, I was like, "Hey, what the fuck? Like it said several on here, and I wrote three there." So they were like, "Do I have to explain to you that several means some amount?" And I'm like, "Apparently, yes." <laughs> Apparently you, you do have to tell me that. <laughs> for years of your life, you were answering math questions with some number. Yeah, I, yes. Well, it I, was like, there's like, I forget what it was. It was like, Jim has several things of candy minus, you know, and then it gives some of it away. It's like, you have to find out how much he has to start. And I'm like, he had three. He just wrote several <laughs> right there. Who the fuck made this math question? And then I get it wrong and I blame society my shortcomings because <laughs> i had nobody nobody to tell me that i was wrong <laughs> so what do you think is dumber uh, me almost killing three people with using tide pods as uh, dish soap or you uh getting every math test wrong for like several years <laughs> for three years uh, <laughs> i mean i think that uh in in the short term i think that your thing was uh worse but if my whole several uh three or several <laughs> equals three fiasco if that when if that kept going for any longer who knows the damage i could have done <laughs> yeah that's true man you really you uh, got off in the nick of time i got off light on that one before i was <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know what I'd do by several drinks or something. I'd, I'd fuck Try myself. Try to have a several way. <laughs> several some. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and there's like seven people there and I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a crowd, not a party. <laughs> um, but and then after, uh, you know, 
she tries she walks out of the porn theater obviously being like what the fuck and he keeps like trying to grab her and being like no no it's it's fine it's fine it's fine and you know in his mind it was he just needed to explain (laughs) himself but like this guy is so fucking far gone uh that he uh just double downs the weirdness you know it's yeah, like she's well, trying to get into the cab and he's just like, several equals three, several equals three. And she tries. <laughs> he keeps trying to save it too. Cause he like, after him telling her it's fine, doesn't work. Uh, he starts being like, Oh, I just didn't know that that's uh, how you felt about it. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like, yeah, no, you knew because you had to convince her to go into the movie like 10 minutes ago. Yes. Like well, you're the one who <laughs> you're the well, one who I tricked her into thought, thinking that's a date night. Well, yeah, I think he did think that. I genuinely think he did think that. And then he tries to call her later, and then she uh, doesn't. You know, she uh, won't hang out with him. And then he's just like fucking bitch, which is, yeah. I mean, like, not. I don't <laughs> think that's an accurate way to think, but like, that's also still today how people think. Like, how many dudes do you know who are shitty dudes, and then they get rejected by? Uh, a, a woman for valid and reasonable reasons and they're just like fuck her and then they learn nothing from from it and then they keep being fucking weird dudes who get rejected by women all the time and then they just hate women now. i don't really know a lot of dudes like that all, me and all my friends just like constantly have sex really easily of course good. naturally um so i can't really relate to what you were saying there but i do think that that's a stupid way of looking at the world like Imagine something bad happens to you and you don't blame yourself for it. That I can't relate to that. Me Even when something bad happens to like someone that's not me, I blame myself for it. Yeah, but I think that might just be our particular flavor of mental illness. You know, like we have to <laughs> overcome blaming ourselves for everything. Travis, on the other hand, has to overcome blaming everybody else for everything. Oh, you think, huh, I, that's true, I guess, like... uh I guess it could go both ways. Because he's not like a mentally sound man, but I do think that he's obviously functional. Like, I I truly think that the lack of social bonds in Travis's life is what drove him uh, to be how he is, you know? Like, if yeah. he had somebody to uh, explain women, or if you, uh, let's say that whole thing happens where he takes a lady to a porn theater, and then he goes to uh his taxi pals and they're all good dudes in this hypothetical they all get him and they love him (laughs) and then he's like yeah so i took this fucking bitch to the theater and she just like walked out and they're they're like whoa 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 what movie did you take her to and he's like backdoor sluts nine and they're like yeah obviously and then they explain it to him and he's like okay and then you know the next time he takes her to go see goodfellas or a regular movie uh but that doesn't happen Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if he had someone to explain the basics of life to him uh, at some point. That's true. But I think it would have made for a worse movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to watch a movie about a guy who has a hard time in the first 15 minutes and then through the help of his friends and family, he becomes a normal and productive member of society. I don't need shit like that in my life. I don't watch rom-coms because they're, you know, so perfect that they make me sad. That's the same type of shit as that, you know, like... (laughs) I'm not here to watch a movie where a guy succeeds and is happy. <laughs> I'm trying to escape the world. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to see a, a successful guy, I would just go look at all my enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after, um, after the girl leaves him at the movie theater, there's an interesting quote where he's like, 
I, I kept calling her. I called her until she wouldn't come to the phone any longer. And then he, the next scene is him showing up at her office. Yes. And it's weird because that line tricked me into thinking he was going to like just move on. Absolutely he's not. Like, he's like, no, I realized I had to stalk her even more creepy. I realized I had to escalate the situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And then he just shows up at a, her job and like gets thrown out of there by not her boyfriend, but like by another dude who sort of likes her. And yeah. I mean, like that. I I know dudes who have done that or have done versions of that where they like get uh, rejected by somebody. I had a friend in high school. You also know him. He got rejected by a girl so many times that he just like kept texting her and she wouldn't respond. And so he comes to me. He's like, "Hewn, what do I do?" And I was just like, "You need to do a grand gesture," because I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't the good friend that I'm uh, getting thrown out in your in my hypotheticals. <laughs> you were one of the members of the taxi fleet in this story i was a worse member of the taxi fleet who just like kept pulling traps aside and was like assassinate the president um, <laughs> you were like a member of the taxi fleet who slashed his tires every yes night. <laughs> um but so he was like i need to do something grand you know and i was like yeah you should spray paint your name on something and so then he goes behind like the baseball dugout and spray paints. Uh, I love Riley. I won't say her real name. Not a terrible name. <laughs> I love Riley, and then her last name, just in huge block letters on the side of a thing. And then we walked home. And then he told me, I was like, "What happened with that?" And he was like, "I felt bad and went home and crossed, or and then crossed it out on my way back." But. I forget where I was going with that, but uh, yeah, if somebody doesn't intervene, people will just keep escalating to try and hit on girls. Guys have no fucking yeah. limit to their horniness, and when they believe in themselves, that's the worst part. Yeah, that's true. But at least your friend uh, realized his mistake and went back and crossed it out, you know? Yeah, you could still read through it. It had to. It was there until it got painted over by, yeah. I guess, the so city. All that, all that girl knows is the guy who's stalking her is very emotionally mature and knows how to um, poke holes in his own thoughts. All that girl knows is that uh, somebody doesn't love Riley anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, it's just, like, it's funny to me to... Because he shows up at her office just to tell her that he knows that she's ignoring him. Yes. It's like, what, <laughs> it, what, how did you, how did you think that was going to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, were you and there also, to win her back or start a fight? Because also, did you think she was in the dark about this? Did you think that every time she didn't answer one of your phone calls, she was just like, oh yeah, he probably thinks I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> I think every time she didn't answer one of her phone calls, probably what happened was her heart started beating a lot faster. You thought she uh, was too overcome by her emotions to pick up? Nope. Out of fright, not oh, out of fright. Oh, out love. of fright. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think her that heart's... she just uh, <laughs> underestimated how insane this man was. <laughs> what if I thought that, that every time he called her, that uh, her heart skipped a beat and the birds started chirping? And that was why she couldn't answer the phone right now. This uh, is a love story to me. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the scene where he uh, picks up Palantine in the back of his taxi. 
Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so Palantine is like, that's the politician who's trying to win, who uh, the, his love interest is representing, who um, Travis tries to get on board for just to impress this girl. And anyway, he picks up uh, Palantine in the back of his uh, taxi. And Palantine asks him, hey, Travis, if there's, uh, what's the one thing that bugs you about, about this city? And he's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I don't really pay attention about with politics too much. But uh, if I had to say one thing, it's uh, how dirty this place is. I think someone needs to clean this up. Like, man, that is Trump rhetoric to a T, where it's not <laughs> nothing, God you know, no, it. no specific, nothing specific is bad. It's all bad. You know, like I can't give you uh, one, th you know, I can't give you a starting point of how to make America great again, or it is going to make it great again in general. You know, it's like that same sort of nonsense rhetoric that sounds good, but doesn't mean anything. I just realized right now that I'm susceptible to becoming fascist because when I heard him say clean up the city, I thought he was just talking about the garbage. And then I blamed the politician for saying it wouldn't be easy. You were saying that literally? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wrote in my notes. I would love if you accidentally became radicalized like that. Like you're just marching with a Confederate flag and you're like, oh, <laughs> clean up like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't support this at all. I thought I, I thought litter. I, meant lit I have garbage bags for you guys. I didn't think we oh. were going to. Oh, I thought this was just a themed broom. I didn't know it was the stars and bars. Ethnic cleansing, fuck. I just thought you meant cleansing. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Color me embarrassed. How, I'm actually against out. you guys. My bad. <laughs> that's how I found that I'm susceptible, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know what else I wanted to talk about for the relationship, too? Yo, um, what? Was right after, like... So after they broke up, uh, you realize that he didn't know her last name for the whole relationship. Yeah. Which I think is kind of like, a, I don't know. I think that's kind of like um, similar to what happens now with social media stuff where you don't know like anything about anyone's life, but you still fall in love with them on Instagram. Yeah, love is so fucking weird right now. I was listening to some podcast recently where a guy on it was... Uh, it was about a guy who um, he was like in a committed relationship with somebody uh, and they were like, you know, high school sweethearts. And then they were uh, like together for years and years after that. And they wanted to get married, but they were like in their late th or late twenties. They hadn't been with anybody else. They decided, okay, we're just going to go out and fuck other people for a month and that'll be it. And his main takeaway was how fucking strange it is uh, that you could just like, you know, meet somebody you can learn their name or not and then you just like go back to their home like their most personal place in the world you see how they live you learn all this weird shit about them but like you don't know their last name you don't know what they like you don't know anything yeah, about them and you're see like you're just, it's so fucking strange it's like you just jump yeah, to the weird. most intimate aspects of relationships but like you miss all the build up to that and it's like now i think we're at a point where like you know, I think that me me walking down the street holding a girl's hand is like a higher level relationship than a one night stand. Or like, yeah, you know, hooking up is. or making out like that is next level to me. Yeah, that just makes sense to me. Yeah, but I, guess I mean, that's, it's, it's I guess strange. It's fucked I think up it, on some level, though. Yeah, it, it's an, in an interesting paradigm shift, I think, to uh, uh, what the world used to be. Yeah, that's true, because you used to just like. 
I don't or know. You used to hold hands I with a girl's mom before you even met her. You had to hold hands with her mom, with her dad, all of her brothers, <laughs> and then you could hold. Only then could you hold her hand. <laughs> you had to take her grandpa down to his favorite pond and fish with him <laughs> for like days. Yeah, exactly. And, and ask for his blessing to <laughs> to hold your girlfriend's hand, and you had to give him like. A herd of Model T cars. I don't know. We didn't trade goats, but we did. We traded something, probably. That was what dowries were. Just a large amount of cars. Yeah. Um. (laughs) American ingenuity meets the dowry. (laughs) Uh, One side thing I forgot to uh, mention about his date, actually. This is kind of unrelated to the movie, but, like, she recommends a Chris Christopherson album to him, and then he just, like, goes off to the record store to buy it. Yeah. Could you imagine fucking living in the 70s and somebody recommends you a song and you just have to spend $20 to find out if it's good or not? <laughs> Bro, I would never listen to any new music. Like, I would only be... If, if I had to spend 20 bucks to, like, find out if I might like something, I would only listen to ska. I would have heard yeah. Real Big Fish when I was seven or eight, and I would still only be listening to Real Big Fish. Because he's After he gets kicked out of the politician's office... Uh, politician's office oh yeah 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 yeah. like the campaign office yeah the camp yeah he gets back in his taxi and immediately takes out all his aggression on the next customer like right away uh which is exactly what i used to do at mcdonald's who's the next customer like uh this like long-haired guy who takes him to his ex-girlfriend's apartment and they look through the window such a fucking important scene um all right wanted, you handle it then yeah i wanted to talk about because the <laughs> first time i watched that movie or this movie i thought that scene was fucking stupid i thought that was so dumb i thought like how this uh, in what world would a guy just come in and be like yeah i want to kill that person you know let's kill him or whatever <laughs> that's the only way i'm going to handle this murder see that <laughs> see that broad in the window she's done like that's <laughs> What the fuck? Like you, how often have you come across somebody who's just like, I'm going, I would like to do a murder. I mean, yeah, usually I assume they're joking. Um, so I don't know, I guess it yeah, could have exactly. been thousands though. In tra- at, at that point in the movie, Travis was, uh, he was mad. He was confused. He was full of rage. Uh, he knew that he was rejected by the world and he couldn't fucking figure out why he just kept being turned down. Like he wasn't good enough. And then he kind of realized like, uh, am I not good enough? Or is it everybody else who might be fucked? And then, uh, you have a guy come in the taxi and he just like, you know, plants the idea in his brain that you can deal with shit by just murdering somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Damn, that's so even... dangerous. And also, that's what internet forums are now, dude. Like, that is exactly how people get swept up in this alt-right nonsense. That guy in the taxi cab whispering terrible ideas into Travis Bickle's ears is just, like, going on the depths of Reddit <laughs> and making friends. Oh, no, man. You're right. I got to re-examine a lot of the things I've been doing on the internet. Yeah, or else you're just going to fucking meet a guy with long hair who commands you uh, listen to him talk about murder fantasies. <laughs> and, like, that guy yeah. doesn't even come back. You don't find out if he actually goes through with the murder or anything, and it's completely irrelevant. It's just the fact that Travis now knows that there's at least one other guy out there who's thinking and has feelings like him that normalizes, and that's what uh, that's what gives him the fucking pass to do all the things he does later on in this movie. Yeah. 
And it also begs the question, like, who's more of an incel? The guy who drives a taxi as his job or a guy who still uses taxis? Like, both of them are company. I mean, I think both of them are incels, but I don't think that uh, the taxi has anything to do with it. No? No, I think it's, I think it's just more of, a, you know, a terrible attitude and disdain for society. Because, like, that's what incels are. It's just people who keep getting rejected and rejected and rejected and then decide everyone else is a bastard for rejecting them. Not that, hey, maybe I'm pushing people away every time I try and interact with people. And, hmm. you know, like, it, it, instead of... Like I was saying before, having a normal support network of people you can talk to and be like, hey, maybe if you like showered twice a week, uh, you'd be more bearable to be around. Um, you just have like one fucking guy in the back of a taxi being like, kill, kill, kill. And then you're like, yeah, that, I, I like that. I just think the environment of a taxi cab draws incels in, you know, because it's always like pretty dark and like all the anything that's clear has stains on it. So you yeah, can't exactly. see through There's- it perfectly. Everything like no smells one is, like cum. Yeah, no one's catching anyone's face. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, yes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Tra- uh, Travis would have ended up as a taxi driver if he had more... Uh, I don't know. I, I was hes- I was going to say if he had more self-worth, but you know what? He's actually making... I did the math because he says at the beginning he's making around 350 a week being a cab driver. That's like $2,000 a week in today money. He's doing very (laughs) well for himself. There's no way $350 in 1976 money is $2,000. It is. I swear to God, the economy is doing bad. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? No, I Googled it, man. You're telling me the internet You're telling me the first result on Google was inaccurate? (laughs) No, no, I'm telling you, we got to do a revolution pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah, the fucking $200 revolution. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but and then after that scene travis kind of has a bit of a cry for help like he goes to um uh there's another you know late night dinner with his cabbie pals uh one of them the guy who uh you know enthralls the gang with fuck stories they call him the wizard and he's like well, i gotta talk to you for a second let me go outside and then uh he's like trying to relate to him and just be like look man i'm having I get travis isn't trying to relate to him he's just like giving those problems he's like i'm just having a hard time you know i don't I got something building inside of me and the guy's like just missing the point, you yeah. know, it's like, he just kept telling him like, ah, you know, you gotta be a cab driver. What you need is a purpose. You know, a man, uh, a man gets a job and uh, then that becomes what he is. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit, dude. A man goes down to the factory and next thing you know, that's a factory man. Yeah, exactly. It's and then like you're like, okay, cool. I'm not mentally ill anymore. Though. It's so funny, like when you when you talk to people who are. It's it's very interesting when you meet people who are in a good headspace despite everything. Yeah. It's like sometimes <laughs> when I was working in just like the shittiest fucking kitchens, there'd be guys who were stoked to be there and they loved this work. And part of me wanted <laughs> to be like, hey, you know, like you're being taken advantage of right now. But the other part of me like didn't want to like lift that wool out of his eyes, you know, like yeah. Let him feel like this matters. What's the point of ruining 40 hours of every one of his weeks for the rest of his life? No, exactly. It's like this man isn't going to liberate himself and, uh, you know, pull himself out of poverty. He's just going to be pissed off that he's in poverty and he doesn't need that energy from me. It's like, yeah, maybe for some people, all you do need is a hard day's work, you know? Maybe for some people, all you do do is go down to the factory and become a factory man. Yes. And that's okay. 
Well, yeah, it's like those guys who they give you advice that works for them, but like they're in such a good headspace that it's impossible to work for you. Yeah, it's like I swear to God, anytime I ask a comedian for advice, they're like, uh, well, why don't you just think about times that things have gone good? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, man, your shit must be chill as hell right now. <laughs> you just think of just, me. <laughs> you must just be deep breathing your way through this, and I respect that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, I'm about to kill myself. It's like, what you need is a gratitude list. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what you need is a dream journal. <laughs> <laughs> what you got to do is so every time you have a good funny. day, write down what you did that day. Fuck off. <laughs> what I need is medicine. <laughs> what I need is a living wage and a d- better brain. <laughs> I need functional brain chemistry, brother. <laughs> <laughs> stop telling me to think about good things it's like i tried to relate to my roommate uh, another comedian charles haycock i was trying to relate to him one time uh, i was just chatting about happiness and you know life and whatnot and i was like like how do how do you do it like you seem like you're very tuned into what you need and like what your needs are and you know how to make your self happy like how did you get to this point in your life and he was like i have always been here yeah, I'm like you, motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck you, then. Actually, <laughs> man, it's crazy because some people they'll be sitting on the couch and they'll think, "I want this thing," and then they'll go do that thing, and it'll make them feel better instead of making them feel worthless. And that I can't relate, but I respect. It's frustrating because I think I'm sitting on the couch and I think I want this thing, and then I go out and get it, and I'm like, "Oh man, I really thought I wanted that thing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I really like, thought that would do it. <laughs> More than once a month, I go to the gas station and buy a four liter thing of ice cream and eat the whole thing that night. And every time before I do it, I think it's going to make me feel better. And every time after I do it, I cry. I started doing that with cheesecake. I got a $50 (laughs) gift certificate to Safeway. I've only bought cheesecake with it. and and it'll be like i'll have like a whole day where i'll like lay in bed and uh do nothing i'll play video games and i'll be like i think cheesecake i think eight slices of cheesecake is what that's why i'm unhappy because i haven't eaten (laughs) a fucking pound (laughs) of dairy and i do that and it's like no now i'm miserable but now i have a fucking half a cheesecake trying to make its way out of me like i haven't helped myself at all Um, Yeah, brother. So I guess what we're trying to say is both of us are very at risk to living out the plot of this movie. Yeah, I'm either going to assassinate a politician or start eating two cheesecakes tonight. And I don't want to find out what happens. (laughs) I'm going to single handedly storm the Capitol. (laughs) I'm going to do that and eat four cheesecakes. Um, But uh, and we're talking about like uh, before about how like he perceives the city is dirty and filthy and shit. At a certain point, he kind of gets something to like actually, I guess, latch on to a little bit more and get a kind of a more concrete idea of what that means to him. He sees a a 12 year old prostitute, which is pretty fucked up and uh, props to um, Martin Scorsese, the director of this movie um, and uh, Jodie Foster, who plays... um, uh the uh, iris the prostitute she was only 12 like she was a legit 12 year old actor oh really Um, yeah she did a fucking fantastic job in this movie um 
But anyway, so she plays like a 12 year old runaway. She's become a prostitute, which, you know, fucked up situation. Uh, Travis kind of takes it upon himself to like liberate her of this, you know, whether, whether she wants it or not, he's just going for it. He's going to clean up the town and this is how. Man, like thinking he's going to clean up the town just by doing this is like when I think that doing one dish will make my apartment easier to live in. Yes. It's, it's no. like, no, there's still hair everywhere and it smells like diarrhea. Like, you're going to have to do a little more. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the problem. A good starting yeah. point, but like, that's not going to fix anything. It is a nice start, though, and you can't take that away from him. I also thought this was very unintentionally hilarious. It's also very similar at how uh, all these fucking Trump supporters um have latched on to the child uh, trafficking <laughs> thing that's what travis is doing here like he thinks that he's doing good and yeah i guess he is if you look at it very narrowly it's he is trying to do good but like he's doing it in such a hair-brained and terrible way like storming yeah, the capital i think it's important that you say like he's trying to do a good thing because like that's what a lot of like that's what a lot of like um shit has been lately with activism and stuff yes it's been the dumbest people in society with good intentions yeah completely fucking up yes like, that's just what everything's been lately I, i'm ready to like start talking about the ending of this bad boy or at least gear up to that do you have anything else you want to add before no, we do not really okay so um uh travis bickle he goes he buys a bunch of guns and he starts training himself, putting himself in peak physical condition. Um, yeah, which is something you should always do if you ever feel your mind slipping. Yes. If you yes. ever think to yourself, wow, people are looking at me weird a lot in the street lately. You should go buy guns. Yes, several. <laughs> all of them. You should, that's what he does. Is He goes to a gun dealer, looks at all the guns, and then he's like, how much for every gun? I think that scene, I really like that. That was a big baller move that hopefully I get to do something uh, like in my, in my life. Um, That's literally my dream, but with a car dealership instead of a gun. No, I think it's, uh, I, I thought it was with a car dealership too, but and then I saw this scene and no, my dreams was guns. <laughs> <laughs> but with a residential neighborhood instead of guns. <laughs> you know what I thought was good though is uh, after he buys all the guns, I was like, thank God he didn't buy drugs when the guy offered, right? Because he, <laughs> yeah. he almost fucked his life up. Yeah, Brad's very anti-drug these days. <laughs> uh, Brad's taking a real heel turn. Um <laughs> No, I'm just thinking he could have like uh, done some, like he could have faced un- unwanted consequences by buying drugs. You know, you think that's what he should have done instead of buying all those guns? <laughs> he should have bought some mushrooms and then thought about things for a while. Yeah, I think he should have bought something that helped him self-reflect, maybe. But I think <laughs> I think guns is as good a second option as you're gonna find. Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll make you feel good at the very least. Um, if there, <laughs> if there's one thing that'll make sure you never self-reflect, it's a gun. <laughs> and then he uh, takes the guns and he like just you know like I was saying he trains himself. So he tr- straps himself up. He goes to the uh, uh, brothel where the underage prostitute is, and just starts shooting everybody up. He kills uh, all the pimps. He gets shot himself, um, and, and she's you know she, he saves her I guess, but like he shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I thought that was sort a... of a tragic end to a one man's delusion of grandeur. You yes, know? and it's I think it's like that... a guy tricking himself into thinking he's Batman, and then the logical conclusion of that. 
Well, the problem with that scene, and not as a problem with the movie, but like the problem that it projected into the real world was that Travis, uh, first he survived, um, and the second is that he was lauded as a hero after. <laughs> yeah. Like he went in there and he shot all these people up. Like, okay, let's let's say, uh, oh, also I should say that after he shot them all up, the girl, the 12 year old prostitute did end up going back home to her parents. Like the final scene yeah. of the movie is the parents, or it's just like the parents reading a letter of appreciation to Travis. Um, but like, how the fuck did he, he had no plans that was going to happen. Let's say, like, let's yeah. say he, he dies and then he kills uh, all this lady's pimps. It's like, okay, now this 12-year-old runaway in New York City has uh, uh, no income source. Everybody's dead. Uh, she's got insane PTSD, way worse than it used to be. It, you know, <laughs> who's to say she's yeah. going to want to go home after that? It's like they never, in this movie, they never talk about why she runs away. It's like people, uh, kids run away for valid reasons all the goddamn time. Yeah, that's a you good know? point. And a lot of those are a lot of things that I didn't think of while I was just watching the montage of him carving cool designs into his bullets. Yeah, but like now it just it, it works out for no reason other than that was just what happened to happen. And then that people was see plan that plan all along, right? Like that's every that's like a lot of people's plans is like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this insane thing and then it's all gonna work out. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, look at the storming the Capitol. They they assumed that they were going to do that half-baked plan that they didn't really think through. And then I guess they would collectively go into a coma for a week, wake up and be heroes afterwards. Like, no. Yeah. Like, you're yeah, just a guy like, who showed up and shot a bunch of people. Like, you're not. Uh, I get that what you did. I get that what you did ended up being good and heroic, but like, it shouldn't have. That only happened by chance. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, fuck, like, I don't know why Travis even had to do anything with the guns. Like, it seemed like he was happy enough just pointing them in the mirror. Like, yeah. that seemed like his true calling. Yeah, I think that's the true calling for, for me. I think that's why I want a gun is just to be able to hype myself up in the mirror with it. And pose yeah. sometimes. Like, if I'm having a bad day, I could just feel a pistol. Man. Yeah, it's like Travis didn't even need to buy bullets in this movie. Like he could have just walked around with an empty gun with confidence. Yeah. Gun <laughs> confidence. Tape a knife to your foot. You would not believe how good that metal makes you feel. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh but I, I I do I loved the final scene of this movie. I thought that tied everything together so beautifully of um yeah. uh Travis, he's still a taxi driver. Um and the end scene is he picks up um, uh, his original love interest. I forget the character's name, but she's played by Sybil Shepherd, um, the one who rejected him. And they don't talk like the whole ride. They just, you know, hi, Travis. Yeah. And then she says, thank you. And uh, he drops her off and silently leaves. But after he drops her off, he like looks in the mirror and it's just like a fucking evil Travis look. And the music hits a high note and the uh, movie's over. I didn't know what that meant. I had to look up, I uh, read an th interview with Scorsese where he was basically saying that like, what we were saying before, Travis thought he would do this shit and that would make him feel as make him feel good. He thought that cleaning up the city in this weird way would, uh, you know, fix all his problems and he could be a happy person after that. But no. He's a fucked up, mentally unstable guy, and it's like it's only a matter of time before something else sets him off. 
Oh no, that's what the ending meant? That's what the ending was. Travis has learned nothing. Travis is still fucked. And now everyone has just played into his delusion of, you know, being a hero. He's not yeah. a hero. He just <laughs> craziest, did something heroic. The craziest thing to me is like, he's walking down the street. He gets talked into going to a brothel by a guy who tells him that it's a child. Like, he gets talked into going to have sex with a kid and then brings his gun back and then kills everybody in the building. And then the newspaper is like, local hero saves day. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get talked into having sex with her. He knew that she was a, tw- like, he was going in there to try and talk her out of being a prostitute on the initial time. But oh, yeah. still, it's, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's just like, how is that? How is that? Like, how do you get talked into going up there at all when there's a child prostitute in the room? I mean, he was just, he, he was trying to sweet like, talk her out of there, though. Is like the, that's like me stopping you on the street and being like, hey, man, you want to come like put your fingerprints on this murder scene in my house? <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, but I think what he was thinking is, oh, shit, I'm about to bust this fucking murder. He's yeah, going to go up there and, you know, uh, I guess cradle yeah, I guess. the body was, gently and run it out of there. He was like, I'm a detective. I'm going to solve this murder. <laughs> exactly. He's a good guy. Like, he... He's got good intentions, but he doesn't follow anything through and he doesn't think about it. It's it's like, yeah, it's what we were saying before. It's somebody who does something that I agree with, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, this movie taught our parents that uh, it's better to go out in a blaze of glory than to just get glory. It's better to not go out in a blaze of anything. It's better to, <laughs> it's better to just live normally and die quietly. Yeah, but not according to this movie. Not according to this movie. And unfortunately, a lot of people took that shit to heart. And uh, now we got a bunch of domestic terrorists on our hands. <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite scene of this movie, too? We skipped um, it. No, sorry. This podcast is over. Thank you, everybody. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite scene? <laughs> uh, my favorite scene is the Mohawk reveal. Yes, Mohawk reveal ruled. Because right before he... Uh, goes to fulfill his uh, duties as a terrorist he's like uh some electric guitar riffs start playing and then it zooms like it uh pans up from his feet to his head and you just see him popping a pill and then uh the mohawk gets revealed and it's just the most punk rock shit ever you know what i mean that was how and it's like business time but it's like, that was such a chilling visual that I feel like the mohawk should have never been a legal hairstyle. Like, I think anyone who had a mohawk should have been automatically charged with treason. Yeah, I think if a barber gives you a mohawk, they have to put you in on, on a registry. Yeah, like that should be what gets you on a no-fly list. The National Mohawk Registry. <laughs> <laughs> the Democrats are coming to steal our mohawk. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, fucking chilling. I really, I really liked this movie. I think when I first watched this movie and I thought that Travis was supposed to be an anti-hero, I thought that he was supposed to be a guy who had enough and was, you know, the only one with a, a, a good head on his shoulders and the only one who could like figure this shit out. It's like, no, he's a fucking lunatic who's pissed off and angry and he doesn't know why. And he's just doing things to try and fix it. It's like what we were saying before of like, we clean a plate and we're like, why doesn't, why, why am I still depressed? Yeah. It's like that, but on a <laughs> way worse scale. Man, you know what this movie taught me is that uh, my thoughts are not as rational as I originally thought they were. No, you're fucked out of your gourd. Yeah, you gotta account for that all day. This movie, 
this movie, I found myself like uh, being on Travis's side on this, for some of it, like thinking he was right. Yeah. And that makes me think to myself, I got to do a little bit of meditating. I got to make some changes. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. got to chill for a couple of days, I think. Yeah. At the beginning of this movie, when he was like, I've been awake for five days, I was I think I had been awake <laughs> for four days when I watched that scene. <laughs> <laughs> That was dicey. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, this movie taught us that the life we live is dangerously close. This movie taught me to uh, watch out, <laughs> uh, to tell my friends how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I loved this movie. I think this movie is more relevant than it's ever been. I think that people seriously need to watch this. And uh, reach out to your friends. If you got a weird friend who keeps telling you weird theories about why the world needs to be cleaned up, like me, take them to a regular movie. Take them to the park, dude. Show yeah. them some stuff that's good about the world. Yeah, make it's sure they're a- getting some sunlight and maybe some uh, medication. As much as we all get stuck in the, the cycle of thinking that like the world is like the worst thing in the universe it's like uh yeah but there's also some like hikes that are nice and shit like so Um, everybody remember that and try not to get radicalized and thanks for listening to our podcast